0: You're drowned by my perfect fire, my perfect life. Welcome to the Lanky Guys. My name is Father Peter. You know there's music playing in the background right now, right? My name is Father Peter, <laughs> and it's the, it's the Welcome to the Lanky Guys. It's not the music. But it's all right. <laughs> it's
1: uh, it's the, la- it's the Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. This is the Word on the Hill podcast. <laughs> so many identifiers. The, 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 welcome to the station identification. So we... We asked a number of times if people think we should get rid of the name, or which is just me because I get all self-conscious about the name. Mainly, I know people like the podcast, and I know people listen, but it's like when I'm speaking to benefactors or bishops or something, and they're like, "Oh, you have a podcast?" <laughs> it's not just the lanky guys. <laughs> I, <just pray. laughs> I feel so self-conscious about it, so I always stress the word on the hill, but nobody can, nobody remembers, nobody that. remembers, nobody that. knows the word on the hill. They're like, "Oh, the
0: lanky guys." It, yeah, that's The lanky guys. like That's the thing, is that we knew <laughs> the minute shtick. that we came up with it that it was a memorable phrase. Do
1: you remember what our original name was? No. The
0: lamest name on earth? No, please.
1: Lanky guys reflecting on
0: scripture. No, it wasn't. No, not. that was what we called ourselves. No, d- d-
1: did we do it at the beginning? <laughs> yep. There's actually, if you go back to the archives... There's a one it's actually I, I even remember your tone of voice. Welcome to Lanky Guys Reflecting On Scripture.
0: That hurts inside. Anyway, we've moved on from there. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for thanks for remembering us. And uh we so love the fact that you all are tuning in and um yeah, do you got any is... shout-outs? I'm sorry, I, I cut you off. Um, did did <laughs> steamrolling? But, by you. the way, did anybody ever yes. like tell us of what a, an alternative name could be? Uh, no, we got no. I, people like the name,
1: which was much to my chagrin. I was yeah.
0: hoping that somebody would
1: give me the license to change it. Yep. There, I think there were a couple people who are like, yeah, we think the name is dumb, but the, the one legitimate concern is that because we don't have the word Catholic somewhere in our title, it's we're harder to find uh, organically, but. What you gonna do?
0: Well, this is what I know is that you, what do you know you dedicated listeners have got us to some seriously high numbers in my world.
1: Yeah. I We're over two million of, downloads. No, you know. we're not. Yes. We oh, are. you mean total?
0: Yeah, yeah. Not like today. Two million times we've been downloaded.
1: And then there was something, did you get the, it was, I think it showed up on Facebook maybe, but you had mentioned the, what's that game that we played at the staff retreat? There's something about werewolves. And, One Night Ultimate Werewolf? Yeah, the Duke, I think it was the Duke University Newman Center was like, we play Ultimate Werewolf! And they were they were super <laughs> pumped about it. So not only do they listen to the podcast, they also play One Night Ultimate Werewolf, making them the nerdiest Catholic Center Dude, in the country.
0: That's that's awesome.
1: Second us, <laughs> Second only to us. <laughs> so anyway, shout out to the Duke Newman, the Duke University Newman Center.
0: Dude, do you know what's awesome about Duke? Tell me. Is they, they have, have uh, Richard Hayes?
1: Oh, they do have Richard Hayes. Richard Hayes. They also have Coach K. Oh yeah. So I mean,
0: it's a pretty stacked place. Yeah, so if if uh, Newman Center people, if you haven't taken a class from Richard Hayes, he wrote um some seriously critical texts for my ability to understand how paul uses scripture and um, the idea gray, of echoes yeah and uh echoes uh, You're listening to echoes. echoes was john di liberto echoes then, with richard hayes <laughs> but tim gray got tim his gray? teaching style from richard hayes because he did his
1: undergrad or master's degree one of those he got he went to school at he got Duke. a degree there so my mentor your mentor one of our mentors mentor to school there and was mentored
0: by richard hayes i believe yeah, so anyway. in a certain sense, we were mentored by Richard Hayes. We'll say that. Let's go with it. Okay. I like it. So we're in the 22nd Sunday in ordinal time.
1: That sounds like something I would have edited in between. That segue is so sharp. <laughs> it sounds like, oh, I wonder what they said in between that Scott had to edit out. <laughs> and now you'll never know.
0: <laughs> All right, 22nd Sunday. First reading is, gosh, we, we are like old school in how we're yeah, talking. We First it. reading is Deuteronomy to- 4, 1 to 2, 6 to 8. Yep. Deuteronomy um, 4, 1 to 2, 6 to 8. Very
1: good. Our responsorial psalm, we, are, we have finally moved on from Psalm
0: 34 <laughs> From the last Taste month. and see, dude.
1: Taste and see. So we're in Psalm 15, verse 2 to 3, 3 to 4, and 4 to 5. And then the response itself is coming from 1A. You didn't do anything funny. You always do something funny. You got to go say Mass. Oh, yeah. You should be thanking me for not being as funny. <laughs> Thank you for your
0: stoicism, Dr. Scott. Dr. Scott, your stoicism is <laughs> quite remarkable today. It will save my day. Um, you're the most cynical optimist that I've ever met in my life. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take it as a compliment. Because it is that's, a total, actually, that's actually accurate. That's, it's weirdly like you've hit on
1: something that's true about me that I don't know <laughs> if I've ever named. <laughs> this is kind of a big moment in, I've been in refl- my life. You've, I've actually been you've reflecting on you. Yeah. I'm the most cynical optimist.
0: I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. so then we're in James 1, 17 to 18, 21b to 22, and 27. That that seems like we're going to throw half a verse in there.
1: I'm also an optimal cynicist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry. Throw
1: your, what about the, oh, the 21b? 21b yeah. to 22,
0: and then 27 on top of that.
1: Just, just for good measure. All right, and our gospel, which I'm very excited to get to, and it's coming from Mark chapter seven, verses one through eight. And then jumping to fourteen through fifteen. And then jumping again to twenty-one through twenty-three. This is a very piecemeal set of readings today. Peace meal. Piece piece piecemeal.
0: Do you know what a piecemeal is?
1: Something that's divided up arbitrarily.
0: No, it's something that you uh, coordinate your relationships with another while you're eating. What? You make peace over. Are a you meal. making a joke? It's like. Are you, yeah. are you making a pun?
1: You're, a piecemeal I, i'm having a piecemeal tonight yeah. with
0: i just knew that you and i actually have <laughs> these these really wonderful alternative perspectives of things and from each other from each other and that's what makes this an interesting podcast if i said piecemeal then i knew that you were going to say that it was going to be divided into pieces oh my god and and then i was going to think about a relational thing which is i think etymologically you think relationally
1: Yay. Yeah, yeah. Who's more fun? <laughs> me. <laughs> All right. Speaking of fun, it's Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Yeah, we are kind of old school today. It's because you fed me Red Bull. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, and I've had so much. You've had, like, had so
1: much coffee today. I had
0: four espresso shots in a row. And I just you started heaven, to crash, heaven.
1: and then somehow you've risen back from the ashes. You're like a phoenix. You've come, you've come back.
0: You know, you have Red Bull and I have Izzy. Yeah. By the end of this, when I'm saying Matt's going to be like in the name of the fallen, because <laughs> I'm be, going to just crash. You're
1: going to fall asleep during the gospel. No, you have to read the gospel. Maybe they're in the first train. <laughs> All right. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. We're in the, I'm talking fast. Slow down, Scott. Articulate. We're in Deuteronomy today and we're coming from Dude. the, so Deuteronomy is, 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 is <laughs> I, I'm partially hung up because I really want to get to the gospel. But we're not there yet. We have to set it up first. And I, you, you you haven't talked about any of your great. Usually, you'll you'll sort of infer like I've got such an amazing thing to say today. But you haven't done any of that today, which makes me because I'm. They're cool readings altogether, but it's a little bit more difficult to find the the common thread. I think here. So,
0: okay, yeah, you give us give us some context because I do actually have something to say about dude.
1: I've got something to say about Deuteronomy. I'm just having a hard time, kind of. Finding what we're meant to... Yeah, okay. So Deuteronomy, we're coming from the very beginning of the book. Um, There's a couple different ways that you can read the book of Deuteronomy. So the the book of Deuteronomy itself, it's... This is the book for the Hebrew people of the law, sort of par excellence, right? This is when we talk about the law, when Paul uses that for shorthand, when the people in the New Testament, you know, speak this way, they're talking not about all of these things in the Old Testament. They're talking about Deuteronomy. Breaking the the law, breaking the law. Bum, 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 bum. It is, you know, everything sort of encapsulated. So you'll get a lot of the things that show up in Exodus. You'll get the Ten Commandments and all sorts of things. They're all kind of repackaged in Deuteronomy. And so in that sense, Deuteronomy is often seen as the constitution for the Jewish people, for the people of Israel. This is where, like, you go to find what do we believe, who are we, right. what does it mean to be Israel.
0: It's and kind so, of the Declaration of Independence to us. Well, it's, our, it's the constitution.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I just
0: said. That. I, 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 I'm really feeling totally Henri today, like uh, old school Henri. You were killing me. Uh, you know what it is? Is, is mm-hmm. it's like there's been so much stress within the church. It's just like this. The stressfulness is like yeah. I, I'm sent to this tr- the breaking point. Yeah, right that's now. fair. I'm just telling you. So that's I'm I'm kind of a broken man, and so I'm like I'm just like. And I we're like, both a little slap happy. We've been so somber. Times are hard. Times and are now. Really we're hard. just slap happy. And you have a piece of glitter on your right eye li- that like eyelid. That right. sounds
1: because I have daughters. <laughs> <And> you know <laughs> what? Lay off. And so every time Whoever you look invented-
0: at me, it, it, li- it like shines. <laughs> <laughs> I just winked at you with it. Whoever invented glitter, is a I hope is... is-
1: I'm not going to say burning in hell, but suffering in purgatory at least, yeah, no, because that was a bad to, decision. They have to burn it. Off. You somebody, need to atone for what you have done. Somebody my life. asked
0: me the other day. They said, "It said, would you prefer your jeep to be covered in mud or glitter?"
1: What do you think? What a terrible question!
0: And I said, "Mud." <laughs> That's glitter. I'm like, glitter just never goes away. You can't do anything about glitter. <laughs> Hence, my eyelid. Yeah.
1: Where is it now? I'm all
0: soft. No, no, don't answer the glitter. other eye.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, the the constitution for Israel. Um, Uh, this is Moses, basically the the very beginning of the book, Deuteronomy begins in chapters one through through with basically Moses retelling all of salvation history, because the idea is before you can understand who you are and who we're meant to be as a nation and a people, we have to understand where we've come from. And I mean, again, not to get all so boxy, but I mean, as far as political strife, strife in the church, all of these things. You do see this sense of oh my gosh, have you not learned from the past, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the the mantra of historians, right? Yeah. What what is that? Well, I just heard a saying recently: those who um, those who for, who don't remember the past are doomed to repeat it. And those who do remember the past are just doomed to watch everybody else repeat it in misery, (laughs) which is even worse, right? That sounds
0: like an amazing meme.
1: No, I think it was a meme.
0: You you can just add whatever picture you want of anything. Of anything. It doesn't really matter. (laughs) On
1: top of that. The Hindenburg blowing up or something. (laughs) So Moses said to the people, after retelling the whole story of salvation history, he's just done that. Now, as they're about to go into the promised land, they're about to. So we kind of got the tail end of this last week. Remember, we got the end of the story. So this is when they're about to go in and take possession of the land. Last week was after they had finished taking possession of the land, and they basically have to re-up this sort of, uh, are you going to be true to this? Are you going to adhere to your constitution? This is the front end. And so Moses is saying, now Israel, hear the statutes and decrees. So Moses is still alive, by the way. He's still speaking to this new generation who's about to enter the promised land. He will not go with them. But he's saying, as you prepare to now be the people that God has been preparing us to be, having gone over salvation in Israel, Uh, history. He says, Israel, hear the statutes, decrees, I'm going to teach you to observe uh, that you may live, that you may enter the land, take possession of it, which the Lord, the God of your fathers is giving you. In your observance of the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I enjoin upon you. Don't add, don't subtract from it. Observe it carefully. Um, For thus you'll give evidence of your wisdom and intelligence to the nations, those who hear of all these statutes and say, this great nation is truly wise and intelligent as a people. For what great nation is there that has God so close to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Now, let me just pause there. This tells me, so you could read this in one of two ways. A lot of people over the history, of, over the course of history, and a lot of people in Israel. This is what they're called out on by the prophets. You can read that saying. Oh, listen, we're better than everybody else. If you really read this, our laws, our precepts, our commandments, are wise and intelligent and awesome and brilliant. And we're better than everybody else. That's one way to read it. Right. But if you read it carefully, there's actually something else that God is saying through this. He's saying, no, it's not just about how great we are. What he's saying is these laws, these
0: commandments, this constitution I'm giving you is meant to be evangelistic. It's meant to say that God is being glorified. like, like, how, And people wow. should look at
1: your nation and be like, who is their God? I want that. Right. I want to be a part of that because there's something good. Not And what Israel does with it is basically tries to set themselves on this peak and then put a big fence around themselves and say, look how great we are. You guys need to stay out, which is never what the law was intended to be. And what where this is going to kind of come back to bite them in the New Testament and the gospel especially is – you know, There's all these precepts, many of which are very difficult and harsh. And there's a certain level of Israel needs for at least a time to be insulated from the nation. So you have all the food laws, right? You can't share meals with certain groups of people. You can't eat these foods. You can't eat those foods. There's cleanliness laws. There's all these laws that sort of insulate Israel and set her apart in a particular way. But what Deuteronomy is saying is all of that's happening... Yes, number one, because you're actually not ready to be the light to the nations yet. Right. So I will set my law and my word to be the light to the nations, to make the nations long for what I'm giving to the world, even though Israel
0: can't quite handle it yet. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because there's still a part of me that wants to be Jewish, like... Like uh, there's, there's something that, that, that. Absolutely. I feel, I feel that the chosen, the chosenness of God for the Jewish people, for the Israelite nation, for the Hebrew nation. Like it's, it's, um, I look and I say, Oh gosh, what you, God is so wise and he is so merciful and he is so tender and caring. And then, then there's a part of me that goes, Oh, like I actually started, I started a homily the other day and I said, um, I said, you know, you know what I like to do is I like to go up to adopted kids. And I like to say, you're not really a part of the family. And everybody <laughs> you, looked at you me. You stressed me out so much just now. <laughs> right. Exactly. And and that's exactly what happened is that is that everybody was like, did you really say at me. that in the homily? Yeah, I did. I did. And I said, I said, OK, I just said that to show how offensive that really is. It's not true. Well, I said, we have been grafted onto the vine of Israel. We are actually adopted we like the desire yeah. of my heart to be in the chosen people of god is satisfied and when i don't actually realize mm. that and that that when i read mm. the, the this deuteronomy as if it's something foreign to my nation foreign to my right. history that and my 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 heart right then then i then i'm actually i've missed something so Absolutely. it's like so it's it, it's like oh okay so when i hear this i'm saying no this is me how easy is it for me to just say Okay, we're going to bubble it out. We'll just give the the right doctrine to um, the right teaching, the right moral life to those who can actually handle it. Yeah. Versus like, no, the proclamation of who we really are in how we believe and how God has shown us how to believe is actually life-giving and saving and is glorious in and of itself. Absolutely. And we see it over and over and over again when people find the tradition in its authentic capacity, when they find the fathers of the church, when they find these things, they say, oh my goodness, look how close the lord is to the church. Yeah. And this is what why we we live in this hard age where we say, "Oh my goodness, lo, like it, does the lord even care?" And mm. and and it obscures the, the 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 sins of the church obscure the ability to say how wise and right is God in what he has guided us through these ages because Absolutely. because it's a total twisting um uh, denial and rejection of what's actually taken place and that's like and that's the thing that that we have to really keep in mind absolutely and it's what Jesus is going to remind the Pharisees and the scribes in the gospel that they're not
1: keeping in mind because mm-hmm. they're doing the opposite they're doing exactly that right um which is i think actually a good yeah it's a good segue into psalm 15 which um what do you say about psalm 15 the, what we're given, the, the response itself is the one who does justice will live in the presence of the Lord. There's a title that in some translations comes along with Psalm 15. Okay. You know how a lot of the Psalms have title like a Psalm of David, or we talked about what Psalm 34 that we've been in for a month. Yeah. A Psalm of David when he escaped from Abimelech by pretending to be crazy, which is my fa- I think it's still my favorite title of a Psalm. <laughs> um, but the title of Psalm 15 is basically instruction to those who wish to have access to God in his temple instructions to those who wish to have access to God in his temple, Mm. which means something very specific in the time of Deuteronomy in the old Testament, uh, in the old covenant. But if you read that with new Testament eyes, there's something very fascinating about that too, right? Because now God is actually everything he gave in the time of Deuteronomy, all of these statutes, He sort of, I don't want to get into this nuance quite yet. Um, but there is this sense in which Jesus, Jesus doesn't, uh, he doesn't, What's the word I'm looking for here? He doesn't, what, what, how does the Bible actually talk about it? Jesus doesn't, um, he fulfills the law. He doesn't abolish. Abolish the law. I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it, which is beautiful because he doesn't abolish any of it. He actually takes what God has given to us and brings it to its natural end. Right. And so all these instructions that were given about accessing God who is in the temple are all kind of able to be applied to when God then makes himself totally available to us. In the bread of life, which we've been talking about for the last month. That's what the church has been setting us up for. It's not coincidental that we get the readings that we get this week, because for the last month, the church has been setting us up for a particular kind of access that Jesus gives us to himself, Mm. right? And now all of a sudden we have this psalm about, okay, well, what does it mean to access the presence of the Lord? Well, you have to do justice. You have to live rightly, be blameless, thinks uh, the truth is in his heart, slanders not with his tongue. Don't harm your fellow man. Don't take reproach against your neighbor, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We should be thinking about these, not in this weird Old Testament foreign, foreign to us, not connected to us sense. But every time we receive the Eucharist, every time we go to Mass, Psalm 15 would be a great reflection on the way to Mass. Or as you're preparing for it, because it's about how do I access God in his temple? Well, where is his temple? His temple is now enshrined in the Eucharist, which I actually get to receive into my body. Right. Whenever I want to. They provided I'm in a state of grace, right? But that's a whole different level. So God hasn't changed the law. He's simply changed the nature of what the law applies to. Mm. Oh, it's not just about walking up steps to this big stone building anymore. Now it's about a disposition of my heart. And it, the funny thing about Deuteronomy, and I didn't mention this at the beginning, Deuteronomy, when we hear it's a constitution or when we hear it's all the laws, it's the precepts, all this stuff. Deuteronomy to many of us just sounds like it's going to be this boring book of dry, dull law code, right? <laughs> but did you know what word is repeated in the book of Deuteronomy more than any other word? Heart? Heart, right? And it's it's people have said it's the heartbeat of the Old Testament oh. because the word heart levav in Hebrew is actually repeated more than any other word. And so in this book about law, in this book about precepts, in this book about a constitution, how to live, the word heart is the one that shows up more than anything else. Because if our hearts are far from God, then none of this other stuff really matters. You know what I mean? It, it does. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't mean you throw everything out. You don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. But if your heart is actually not there, then you're doing empty works. This is
0: why Jesus calls the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. Right. Well, and I think that's actually a perfect way to get into James okay because talk to me because because as we're looking at the core of James it says humbly welcome the word that has been planted in you and is able to save your soul. So one of the hardest things is to become present yeah um, a, a, a law anybody who is a real duty fulfiller like it, if you've ever had that moment where you're late for an appointment, and you're feeling the stress of trying to get there. The and worst. you know how when you get to whatever you're trying to get to, you it's very difficult to actually be present to what you're doing. Absolutely. Uh, to me, I have no idea what that would feel like, but I can imagine
1: <laughs> what that might be like for
0: someone. <laughs> but the, that's the thing is that, uh, that I think that's exactly the definition of how I can imagine not being present. Because what happens is that in your, in your transportation to where you're supposed to be, you're not actually in your car or walking. You're actually trying to be in the place itself. So you're not actually present to where you are. And then when you're in the place, you're still in the stress of moving forward of the fact that you're not in the place. And so then you're still not in the place because you're in the place of where you had just come from, which was super stressful. And so when, when, um, (laughs) <laughs> when when james says you know izzy's really bubbly it? it is it's oh excuse me did you hear that know. no it was just like a, it's just a little yeah, explosion it was as was i was going. talking so it's <laughs> like just grumblings Right. So, the, so that's where I, I, I see James trying to point us to become present in what's actually happening yeah. right before us in a way that's patient enough. Mm. Um, and that's where the, the noise, and it says, mm. so it says, religion is pure and undefiled before God and the Father. says, to care for orphans and the widows and their affliction and to keep one stu- oneself unstained by the world. That means that we actually have to pay attention to what the real need is before us. Like we have to care for orphans, and we actually have to care for widows. We right. those people who are in in, in great need. Mm. I, I had a friend, who um, who he uh, somebody helped his wife when she was broken down on the side of the road, and so he made a commitment to to help the next ten women stranded on the side of the road, of which got him into some seriously hairy situations. Wow. Because he, because he said, I want to be, I want to be present in a certain sense in this, this widowed moment of just saying, and it took him years to fulfill and he almost got killed. And there's like all sorts of stuff in the midst of that, that like, that I think it's really, it's just really powerful. It's like, you got to become present to say, how do I recognize? Because Mm -hmm. the Lord is going to actually use us if our spirits are disposed to fulfill the needs of others. I mean, we really are meant to serve. And so... All good giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of Lights. And we are participants in God's gift to the world. We're Mm. not God's gift to the world. That's why we go back to Deuteronomy and saying these laws point to the glory of God, and we're going to try to follow them and and inaugurate people into them. And this is actually why it's really important that we become attentive uh, uh, and reverent. That's a really interesting...
1: You give a brilliant insight that is actually a far better segue than I thought it would be into the gospel. Cool. Um, I'll tell you why. So I I, I was a little disappointed this morning when I was kind of studying these. A little disappointed in the sense of like I, I was... I really had fun with the Bread of Light discourse. It was kind of fun knowing, like I knew what to expect. We had this long kind of drawn out narrative that we're able to sort of take a few weeks and unpack, which is kind of fun. Right. And then all of a sudden there's this kind of quick like segue into something else. Now we are somewhere totally different. Mm. But what I realized is we're actually not someplace different whatsoever. Mm. Because where we actually show up in the Gospel of Mark, and I actually didn't realize this until... This is kind of a new discovery. I didn't this isn't my discovery, but I was reading some commentaries and others have drawn this out and I'm sorry to have never noticed it. But this section of the Gospel of Mark from about the end of chapter 3 till the beginning of chapter 8, middle of chapter 8 or so, mm-hmm. it's called the bread section. No. Of the Gospel of Mark. So they Mark apparently not has a bread section. And it's called the breg- bread section because the word bread appears about 17 times Whoa. in this little section. Whoa, Which is wild. You're like Whoa! whoa. So all of a sudden I started to think, oh, maybe we're not as far away from the Bird of Life discourse as I thought we were. Because it seems like a different application. It seems like there's another context, but maybe there's actually something that's more connected than I thought. So in the quote-unquote bread section, Jesus uses... The term bread in all sorts of different ways. Again, because what he's doing, he's pointing toward the idea of the bread of life. It's going to be fulfilled in the Eucharist, but it's, it's subtle and it's embedded because that's how significant the Eucharist is, not just in our lives, but in the life of the church, that it's actually, this principle is embedded throughout all of Jesus's ministry, not in one chapter of John, right? Or this isolated thing. It's all about bread and he's using all of it to point. So that being said, I, um, I went back to the Greek on this one. and I found what Mark actually says. So here's how it begins. And most of us have heard this section or, or was, there's a couple texts like this in the New Testament. And this, this scene, the Pharisees and scribes, they came down from Jerusalem. Pharisees, by the way, they were the, the religious, but for for what we might think of as almost a political party in a religious sense. Um, who were dealing with the question, okay, we are basically still in exile. We are not being shown God's favor. We are not the ki- we're not in the time of Deuteronomy anymore. Right. Our constitution is shattered. Right. We are a mess. Our kingdom has been lost. Our land has been stripped. These things that were promised us if we're faithful to Deuteronomy, they've all been taken away. What do we do about it? How do we get the presence of God back with us? And so the Pharisees said, well, okay, well, how did we lose God's presence to begin with? We broke the law. We weren't faithful to Deuteronomy. We weren't faithful to our constitution. So if we want God's presence back, well, what do we do? Well, the only thing we can think of is let's be as faithful to the law as humanly possible. So how are we going to be faithful to the law? Well, we're not only going to be faithful to the laws of Deuteronomy, but we're going to build a bunch of other laws insulating around the Deuteronomic laws so that we can't even come close to breaking the laws of Deuteronomy Right. because we've got to get all through all these other barriers of breaking laws first. Which so is like created, Mishnah and Talmud? Yes, is, is is those are a part ex- of that. Is that where they're expressed? For the most part. Okay. Um, those are two a little bit of a different text. More the Talmud than the Mishnah. The Mishnah uh, is... Mish- uh, there's a lot of Jewish, some of them are folkloric texts talking about commentary on the scriptures. The okay. Talmud is more law based. Okay. There's also a difference between what's called Haggadic and Halakhic Jewish writings. Halakha um, has to do with things regarding the law. And then the Haggadah. Haggadah. Haggadah are things kind of about history and folklore, basically the Jewish categories, everything else. So. If you think about it, how significant that is, in all of the extra-biblical Jewish writings, there's two categories. There's the law, and then there's everything else about human life, which tells you how important the law actually is. So it's the halakha the and the Haggadah is everything else. Everything else, which just encompasses a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. So they're like, okay, well, we are going to insulate the law. because, and, and Pharisees get a bad rap, and rightly so, because they are hypocritical, but you can kind of see how they got there. It's this desperation of saying, how do we fix this mess? Where, again, you know, the church is in a dark time. They were in a dark time. How did we get here? Well, we did all these things. How do we fix it? Well, let's go overboard trying to fix it and reconcile what we did wrong, because we recognize what we did wrong. So in a certain sense, what the Pharisees were doing was finally, for the first time in all of salvation history, getting the message that Moses was trying to get, which was if you don't remember your history and the story of salvation— then you're going to keep falling into this. And they say, we get it. We know the story. We get how we fell. And so we're going to go overboard trying to fix it in that same way. And so that's where they came. And the scribes, a lot of the scribes were probably Pharisees, but the scribes are simply those who were trained Um, in scribal writings, literally, and they were scholars of the law. So many of them were probably Pharisees, but they had a particular skill. So there they are. They came down from Jerusalem, which means the scribes and the Pharisees from Jerusalem probably had a particular authority because they're from the capital city. So they're a big deal, right? So they came down they gathered around Jesus because they're hearing about this guy and he's doing all this stuff. And they observed that some of his disciples, our translation says ate their meals, but that's not what it says in the Greek. Ate their bread. Ate their bread. With unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact, all the Jews, did not eat without carefully washing their hands. In keeping with the tradition of, you don't have your Bible in front of you. It doesn't say in keeping with the scriptures. It says in keeping with the traditions of the elders. elders. It says that in this. Right, which is not the Bible. Oh. It's a different tradition. This is not a biblical law that they're questioning Jesus about. This is an extra biblical Talmudic law that they're questioning Jesus about. Right, which is just an important... Jesus is not breaking the law. He's breaking their laws. Right. Uh, So why don't you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Where am I? And coming in from the marketplace, they don't eat without properly purifying themselves. And there were many other things that they have traditionally observed, purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. And the Pharisees questioned him. Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the the elders, but instead... Eat their bread with... Eat bread with unclean hands. What do you think? Now... I'm just guessing here. And this isn't an original thought. I've read this elsewhere. What do you think the Pharisees and the scribes are talking about? Because there's actually something that just happened in the narrative. I don't think they're just like, hey, we happened to observe that guy came out of the market and he didn't wash his hands or that guy did something over there. I think there's some event that they've heard about and they're ticked off at. Do you know what just happened prior to this? Feeding the 5,000? Feeding the 5,000. Where there's a huge... And 5,000 men, right? So there's probably tens of thousands of people who had this profound miracle that Jesus provided, what, bread to all these people. It's the impetus for the bread of life discourse, right? Right. It's actually what launches the whole bread of life discourse. So if you insert this somewhere in that time frame, the Pharisees, the scribes, they're like, wait a second. This guy, he multiplied bread and fish and he fed all of these people. There were thousands of people by a seashore. They didn't have all the materials to ritually clean their hands before they ate the bread. And they're like, we're going to call him out on that. These tens of thousands of people ate bread, but they didn't have the means to wash their hands right. So we're going to attack him. So I don't think this is some generic accusation. It is an accusation directly at one of the biggest miracles Jesus has performed. How dare you? How dare you do this? Which sounds similar to me when they attack him for like healing someone on the Sabbath, right? And making a man walk and bringing his limbs back. All all those sorts of things. It's the same kind of thing. Why do your disciples eat bread without washing their hands? Well, a bunch of thousands of them just ate a bunch of bread in the field because they were starving without washing their hands. Again, what the, what, what the Bible says, Deuteronomy, but more so Leviticus, these cleansing laws, it says the priests, before they offer sacrifice, have to wash their hands in a particular way doesn't say anything about the rest of the people. doesn't right. say anything about the lay people or the rest of folks. It says this is how the priests have to do it. And so what the Pharisees did were create more laws that said, well, these priestly laws, again, because we don't quite know what else to do because we know how we fell into sin, so we're going to go overboard trying to fix it. And we're so we're going to apply that to everybody.
0: Right, and that's, that's the In phari- every circumstance,
1: not the, just sacrificial circumstances, well, every circumstance.
0: Well, and that's the Pharisee's project. Yes, exactly is, right. is to say that, okay, if the priests aren't going to be faithful. That's absolutely right. If the priests aren't going to be faithful, we're going to be extraordinarily faithful and fulfill what they should have been doing so that we can bring back the messianic expression. Which that's there's God. a goodness to
1: that. I mean, there's right. a
0: rightness to what they're trying to do. I mean, and I think we could fall into that right now, by the way. Absolutely. I mean, that's like, because, because, because they're experiencing corruption in the priesthood and this, they're, they, absolutely they, they, right. in every age, we're going to face the, the corruption in leadership. That's like yes. just the truth of this. but that it does, it, it, And so it, it's how do we actually live in a faithful way with our hearts?
1: And how do the lay people then actually take some responsibility here and step up where we need to? So by right. the way, I have to run them and I have to go say Mass and then I'm going to drop some parish boundaries after that um, because I'm a priest now. I've just <laughs> ordained myself. Oh, wow. My priest <laughs> <turned> me- <laughs> Did you just like wait? I was this. Like- <laughs> meant- <it> was- <laughs> I'm just I, kidding. That
0: was, I was, I'm not going to say Mass. That was super weird, dude. I was like... Thank you for that existential experience. There. I mean, I got
1: confused. But it is significant. I mean, I never thought about the fact that what they're calling out is this miracle that
0: Jesus performed. I've never seen that. That's really really powerful to say like, oh, wow, and and you can see how their hearts are going like, well, this doesn't this yes. doesn't coordinate. This doesn't fit a paradigm that right. that is is going to bring us salvation. Well, here's what's
1: going on, and here's where I have a little bit of sympathy, and also where you see the true hypocrite- <laughs> yes. hypocriticalness? hypocritical, hypocriticalness hypocriticalness. I don't know I how to make that adjectival. I like the first way hypocriticalness. And then you know, Jesus calls out Isaiah, and he's like, "You're crazy," and he says, "Isaiah wrote about you guys, about you hypocrites, hypocrites." By the, you know, what the word hypocrite means in Greek, right? Two faced. A two-faced, it can all, but the implication is a stage actor, right? A You're stage actor part. who puts on different faces. Different faces. That's what you guys are doing. He says, "This peop- Isaiah wrote about you hypocrites. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. Your teaching is scripture, something that's not scripture." Right. Which is exactly what they're doing, which it's funny. You can take this prophecy from Isaiah, I think in two ways as well. You can take it as an accusation and a calling out of what has happened, or you could take it as a foreshadowing of what is to come in the sense that there's going to be a people who does honor me with their lips and their hearts, which are close to me because I'm actually going to come and actually make myself accessible to them. And in vain, they worship me now, but then they won't anymore. It actually is a foreshadowing, not just of calling out corruption, but of foreshadowing what is going to come to reconcile all this. And then, um, yeah, you disregard God's commands. We skip a couple parts where Jesus rails against them a little bit more. <laughs> and then the crowd comes together and Jesus tells them it's not what enters. Again, I've heard our Pro- some of our Protestant friends actually use this line to speak against our understanding of the Eucharist and John 6. He says, nothing that enters from outside can defile the person, but it's what comes from inside that defiles. Now, Jesus isn't, uh, there's still things that we do externally that are important. This isn't throwing out the baby with the bathwater, but he's saying the whole point of Deuteronomy that you have obviously missed is that it's about the heart. The heart of the matter, as Thomas Smith said, is a matter of the heart,
0: right? right?
1: And that's what he's actually getting at. From within their hearts come all of these terrible things, but this is far more Eucharistic than I thought it was. The church has has us, we're we're still in the bread of life, not discourse so much, but we're still in the bread of life ethos. We're still with God preparing us for what we're about to receive, which is essentially Jesus, in this case, preparing his people to enter into the sanctuary, which is what Psalm 15 gives us the instruction for. And what the church, I think, is doing then is taking... This first moment of Deuteronomy, when Moses has told the story of salvation is now saying, here's where you now fit into the story. And here's how you are to be a light to the rest of the nation by living out the law and the word that I'm giving you, Mm. but living it out rightly. Mm -hmm. And then we get an example in the gospel of living it out wrongly. Mm. And as a a result of living the law wrongly, we have the world, you know, the prophets even say Israel has become an eyesore and embarrassment to the nations. So Israel became the opposite of what they were called to be in Deuteronomy. You're supposed to be a light. People should look at the nation of Israel and be like, I want whatever you have. But because of how they put fences around themselves and put themselves on a pedestal, the world did the opposite. And it abused them and it kicked them around and it made them an embarrassment. And so Jesus is saying, okay, we need to return to the law, but the law, not all of the add-ons, not all of the fences, the heart of the matter and the heart of the matter is what I'm giving you right now and what I'm demonstrating to you. And if you adhere to this, the implication, what he's setting us up for what will be the evangelistic mission of
0: the church. So you just described the situation of the church today. Did I? Oh, shoot, I did. You I didn't just, mean to, but yeah, that's right. I mean, this is the thing is that we, we no, don't be afraid, everybody. Okay. We're not going to be afraid because the, the 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 Lord knows his solution in the midst of this, which is to yeah. go to the heart. Here's what's so cool about the the Eucharist. Eucharistic miracles when they do scientific testings, what is it? Oh. Oh. What's the muscle? I don't know. It's a it's a it's Oh, the heart. It's the heart muscle. It's it's flesh from the heart. I don't like it when you question me. <laughs> I'd like to stick, stick to doing it to you. <laughs> no, it's, it's always hard because yeah, you're like, stressful. what are we what are ah, you trying to I should to know this. To? Yeah, yeah. So, so what happens yep. is that is that I, I we tested that. Yeah. that actually the, the Eucharistic miracles that it's mm. flesh from the heart. So when the, Jesus That's is amazing. actually talking about this bread, he's saying, no, like I want mm. you to look, and 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 it, this is this is a prophetic expression of something real and concrete saying that I gave my heart and the heart is the emotional center of the person the decision the, the place the decision of decision the vav yes the vav it's it's the place of where where the ideas and it's, the will come together
1: well you know what it is in the jewish mindset what it's the sanctuary it's the sanctuary. what did psalm 15 set us up for how you should approach the sanctuary Right. What is the heart? The sanctuary of the person. Not just because
0: we're so special, right. but that's the place where I meet God. Right. And it's not that we have to do everything right. rightly. It's that we have to have the right heart so yes. that we can act in accord with the heart. And because mm. Jesus, what is the Eucharist? It says that this is my body given up for you. Yeah. Take this and eat um and 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 I understand mm-hmm. that you're going to be in all these sorts of situations. It's going to be messy because what is this about be, being is, is it going to be clean and pure and totally straightforward which is what is going to be tempting in this age is to say you know what we just like but our heart has to be in the right place. Think about what you just said for a second. Now I, don't, I I'm not trying to overdo this point you just made,
1: but what you just said, it's not going to be clean and tidy, which is the temptation, but what are the Pharisees so hung
0: up on? Being clean and tidy. It's got to be cleaner.
1: We right. have to wash it because we can't I'm the kind of person that can't handle disorder. So I'm right. like, I just have to clean it up and have some control and she's like, You ain't gonna get that. It's gonna be a little bit messy. You're not, not- you're not gonna have
0: time to wash your hands right. for a half an hour before this. Because I'm moving now. It's, it's interesting I play a, I play a game on my iPhone called Threes. I love it. I've played thousands of the games. It's just one of those games that it just caught my heart and I love it. But as I was playing it the other day I was asking myself, how do I play this game? Because friend Mayer, the Chancellor of the Diocese of Philadelphia, he gave a lecture here and it says how we how we play is how we pray, how video games can uh, speak to how we exist within the world. Wow. And so it was a really interesting lecture, but I was like, "Ooh, how do I play this game?" And I, and I find that I discard a game because it's just kind of one of those over and over simple games. Okay. I discard a game when it's not clean, when it's not doesn't have oh. the order huh. that I want it to. It's like you know, how it's like when you're oh. playing um, solitaire and it's mm. like everything's kind of just messy, and you're like, oh, I'm, just I'm, <laughs> "I'm just gonna start <laughs> yeah, over. I'm just gonna start over because because totally. it's not clean. Because what I totally. what I'm engaging totally. with a game for is this beautiful sense of order." Mm and and what happens is that Jesus comes into it bloody mm. difficult profound wrecked yeah. um, uh, confusing he, he 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 dusty dirty he's traveling he's on the road like even right. just on a very practical sense right like, he's dusty camping. and messy yes. and and he's misunderstood by his disciples by everybody around him and yet he's yeah. trusting in his people to attempt to work it out And to not even to work it out, but to come along. Right. That's what what I'm saying. What's
1: that famous saying? The Jewish saying to be um, covered in the dust dust of of your rabbi's feet or sandals. Right. And that's messy.
0: And that's where, like, this—the fact that this is like the the bread is the heart of the matter. He's calling us to understand his singular sacrifice, which is messy within the world, so that our hearts can become acclimated and attuned to His. And did this is i think this this is some really profound prophetic readings for our age right now seriously it got more real than I thought it was going to get me too me wow. too i'm really I'm really thankful for the i feel like huh. the readings right now are just like totally they're speaking, they're speaking in a, in a way that's like really like it's almost as if uh, it's almost as if they're divinely guided it's almost as if there is a holy spirit behind the church <laughs> yeah
1: wow. Yeah. well done.
0: Yeah, you too. Thanks for opening up the scriptures for me today. Likewise, the, it, it was interesting. We were at a, we were at a launch night for our focus team last mm. night, and uh, and I turned it to Scott as he was sitting next to me, and uh, I was like, I was like, Scott, you're my Bible study, <laughs> and I gave an awkward smile, and then, and, and then we. The, but the thing is that you guys are all that's in real. our Bible study together. We have a big Bible. study. We got a big Bible study. <laughs> I can where we, can we find food for all of these people? Oh. <laughs> in the hundred days wages would not feed <laughs> I, I see someone here well who has five loaves and two fish it, Jimmy in Seattle <laughs> Jimmy in Seattle <laughs> thanks Jimmy oh, that's good so well, thanks for being our Bible study yeah, everyone yeah you guys are cool. You are cool we miss you until we see you again and <laughs> that's true <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying anymore no it's real it's yeah, true it's, real. it's, good. it's messy okay. but it's okay yeah, that's, that's this podcast <laughs> that's, that's this podcast, <laughs> that's, that's this podcast. <laughs> and we're out goodbye
1: bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash AICT. You can find the Lanky Guys at lankyguys.org, and you can send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.